the third last Sunday of the church year, November 8th, 2020. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, we implore you, show your mercy to your humble servants, that we who put no trust in our own merits may not be dealt with after the severity of your judgment, but according to your mercy. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading for the third to last Sunday of the church year is from the book of the Exodus, the 32nd chapter. Now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And Aaron said to them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand, and he fashioned with an engraving tool and made a molded calf. Then they said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Then they rose early on the next day, offered burnt offerings, and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink, and rose up to play. And the Lord said to Moses, Go, get down, for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made themselves a molded calf and worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and indeed it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, and I will make of you a great nation." Then Moses pleaded with the Lord his God and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with a great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians speak and say, He brought them out to harm them, to kill them in the mountains, and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath and relent from this harm to your people. Remember Abraham Isaac and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self, and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heavens, and all this land that I have spoken of I give to your descendants, and they shall inherit it forever. So the Lord relented from the harm which he said he would do to his people. And Moses turned and went down from the mountain. And the two tablets of the testimony were in his hand. The tablets were written on both sides. On the one side and on the other they were written. 
Now the tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the work of God engraved on the tablets. And when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, There is a noise of war in the camp. But he said, It is not the noise of the shout of victory, nor the noise of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing I hear. So it was as soon as he came near the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing. So Moses' anger became hot, and he cast the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. Then he took the calf which they had made, burned it with fire, and ground it to powder, and he scattered it on the water and made the children of Israel drink it. And Moses said to Aaron, What did this people do to you that you have brought so great a sin upon them? This is the word of the Lord. The epistle is from St. Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, the fourth chapter. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 24th chapter. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house, and let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days, and pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor shall ever be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Then if, everyone, if anyone says to you, Look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, Look, he is in the desert, do not go out. Or, look, he is in the inner rooms. Do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. 
This is the word of the Lord. We confess our faith with the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spake by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church, I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Lord, keep us steadfast in your word. Curb those who by deceit or sword would wrest the kingdom from your Son and bring to naught all he has done. Lord Jesus Christ, your power make known For you are Lord of lords alone. Defend your holy church that we may sing your praise eternally. O comforter of priceless worth, Send peace and unity on earth. Support us in our final strife and lead us out of death to life. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If anyone says to you, Look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, Look, he is in the desert, do not go out. Or, Look, He is in the inner rooms. Do not believe it. 
For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. This is the word of the Lord. The end times are not the end. Understand that, and you will realize there is no need to wait for the end times or to seek them out. The signs are not given as a warning that the end is near, but as a reminder, a proclamation, that the end times are already here and that they have been here for quite some time. The abomination of desolation described by the prophet Daniel is King Antiochus Epiphanes, who established idols in the temple and there offered sacrifices of swine. Truly, an abomination and a desolation of such a sacred space. Yet, as with much of Scripture, there is more than one level. This abomination is but the type of another to come in the Roman Empire, who utterly destroys the temple, who slaughters the people of Israel, and who establishes a new God in the person of the emperor. But this has already taken place. The end times are here, and they have been here for quite some time. Facebook theologians wrong about so much are correct in one thing. The signs of the end are all around you. You endure wars and threats of worse wars to come. You endure natural disaster and the guarantee of more to come. Mothers rise up against their children, and if the father has not yet abandoned his little ones, he acquiesces to their slaughter. Likewise, children rise up against parents, taking the lives of the elderly in the name of convenience and love. The nation and the world are falling into madness and delusion because they have fallen into apostasy, indeed a worse fate than the paganism from which they had once departed. The signs are even within the church herself. She grows fat, lazy, and complacent. She abandons her Lord, turning back to the plow in an appeal for acceptance with her enemies. She embraces false gods as her Lord runs after her with outstretched arms and with sacred heart aflame. The signs are here. But rather than attempting to interpret these signs and determine the days, the times, or the hours, you are called to see in these signs both reminder and warning. Christ says, Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, in the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. The master has ascended, and you know not when he will return, only that you live in the end times during which he could return. 
Therefore, repent. Turn from wickedness and live as one's keeping watch, lest the master return and find you wanting. Perhaps the most notable sign to which Jesus points are false Christs. Many have, and indeed, many will come, crying, Messiah, but there is only one. Hear him, and hear those whom he has sent. Test all spirits of the age according to the spirit of Christ, and never depart from him. This, then, is the meaning of Jesus' strange final words. Wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Where the carcass is, where the enfleshed body of the incarnate Son of God is in word and in sacrament, there you, his little eagles, are called to be. In sickness or in health in good times or in bad, in busyness or in sloth, in freedom or in persecution. You must be where Jesus is, keeping watch as you receive him in these latter days. Thus the abomination of desolation finds its true antitype not in the Romans, but in the Christ crucified. As Moses records, he who is hanged is accursed of God. Christ bears witness to this truth as he prays with gasping breath, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Heed none who would peddle to you a God or a Christ other than the abomination of desolation who hangs scorned upon the tree of the cross. Thus Luther preached, In the church, Christ is looked upon as nothing but a carcass or as a condemned, crucified man, and all who believe on him and cling to him must be regarded as eagles. The carcass of Christ's holy body is of the utmost importance to Christendom. Christ enters your flesh in Bethlehem, dies in your flesh on Calvary, rises in your flesh outside Jerusalem, ascends in your flesh, and will return to judge the nations at the end in your flesh. God is not a spiritual concept, a nebulous idea, or a philosophical nicety. He is real, and he is present in the flesh, in the carcass, around which you must gather. In this understanding, have sympathy for the Israelites at Sinai's foot, even as you use them as an illustration for how not to live. In their sin, they confess what you confess gathered around the carcass of Christ. It is not enough for God to be spirit. He must be present physically with his people. The body matters. The carcass matters. When is it that the Israelites request their new God? It is when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain. And why is it that they, del- that they request a new God? 
They say, make us gods that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. The Israelites desire one to go before them because they need more than an invisible God of spirit and air. They need more than a concept, an idea, or a nicety. The flesh must have the tangible. Moses himself records, The Lord, he is the one who goes before you. Nevertheless, the Israelites see the Lord in his flesh and blood prophet. Moses is the sign of the Lord who goes before them, and without the concrete presence of God, they fear and they doubt. They do not demand gods from Aaron because they do not believe in God, but because in believing in God, they know that they must see God. Certainly their trust wavers and their belief, even if it is fervent, is misguided. But nevertheless, the eagles desire the carcass. The presence of God that is seen, touched, and tasted is, without question, necessary for God's people. The end times will bring what they may. After all, wars, disasters, pandemics, pain, suffering, heartache, division, political instability, and uncertainty have been the norm since Christ's crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension. But you have a hope that transcends all of this. You have a hope in the Christ who took on flesh and became a carcass to which you eagles may flock and in which you may roost as you keep faithful vigil for the Master's return. Stat crux dum volitur orbis. The cross is steady while the world turns. This holy flesh of God is the constant amidst the signs of the end. Look away from the cross and focus on the signs, and you will miss the Master when he returns. Look instead to the cross alone, and as eagles, flock to that carcass, that by it and in it you may live. Amen. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, who comes in glory to judge the earth, gather together your people from all corners of the world as a hen gathers her brood. As we endure the pangs of these end times, call us ever more fervently to dwell in and to feast upon your holy body, that in it and by it we may live until the end when you return at last. Through your holy name, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O Father, as you brought forth creation into existence in love and faithfulness, so too in the same do you continue to preserve all that you have made. In your great love, continue to preserve your people in body and in soul. Grant aid to all in danger. Grant defense to the innocent and unborn. Grant plenty to those in need. An end to all unrest, violence, and needless death and abiding peace. 
Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. O great I am, the Lord of lords and the God of gods, apart from whom nothing is and compared to whom no other gods are. You raise up nations and you cast down nations. For the sake of even one righteous man in this nation, spare us from destruction by violence, by disaster, by famine and pestilence, and by warfare and bloodshed. Let your word be a hammer to the hardened hearts of those who have forsaken you, that in humility and repentance they may once more be received into your fold as your dear children. Grant wisdom and integrity to the rulers of this land. In all things, grant faith to your people in the knowledge that, as your patience persists, you chasten and you discipline in love, even as you call the nations of the world to repentance and faith in your dear Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O Christ, who is the great physician of body and soul, look with mercy upon all in need from despair, loneliness, or illness, especially Cindy, Gordon, Sandra, Shelley, Cade, Ramona, Randy, Courtney, Roger, Debbie, Katie, Creed, J.M., Jim, and Don. Grant them aid in their times of need, strength to endure in times of affliction, healing of body and soul, and if it be your will, a peaceful end. Likewise, be with all who mourn, especially the family of Shirley. By your holy word and sacraments, assure them of your presence, remind them of your promises to them, and distribute your comfort and peace to them, even as you live and reign with the Father and the Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.